So you can see on the screen we have a uh, new series that we're stepping into, a long series simply called Holy Spirit. And if you walked in, you should have grabbed one of your community group discussion guides. Whether you're in one or not, the reason that we've waited to do this series now is to talk about it, not just from a stage, but to talk to one another and learn from one another because uh, there's at least three categories of people when you say the phrase, Holy Spirit, at least three responses, probably tons more. One, there's interest. Uh, we live in a very spiritual world. We live in a city that is enamored with all things spiritual, beyond rational, beyond physical. We all know that there's more to life than just these hands and just these molecules. And people are wondering, what what is the secret to growing in spiritual life? So there's intrigue, but many of you, uh, you've come to church or been a part of a Jesus community and haven't heard a lot. So there, some of you are wondering, man, I want to know more. I, I think this will be a help to you. There's another group here, when you hear that phrase, are immediately concerned. Your internal spidey senses just go and tingle because you're like, oh gosh, here, here we go. Because you've been a part of a community where the Holy Spirit was discussed and maybe expressed in ways that were confusing to you, even hurtful or damaging because it was out of alignment with the way of Jesus and the scriptures. And so I, I want to be very sensitive and say, I recognize that you are here and I'm in your camp. I've been there and thought, what was that? And God, if that's you, that doesn't look like you. And so that's okay to have a conversation even with your concerns. And it's why we're going to discuss this in our groups over the next few weeks. And then there's another group of you who are just genuinely excited because you know the reality of the Holy Spirit and you want to grow and you want everyone to grow in knowing who God is and what God is like. And so I think for all three of those groups, basically everyone here, there's something good that will happen uh, Francis Chan, who's a pastor and author, wrote a book, I think it was about 2009, 2010, and he entitled it, rightly, Forgotten God, Reversing the tra Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And I think in our day, that statement could be said that the Holy Spirit is often known as the forgotten God, which is why, and today is just introduction, okay, which is why we put this right after the series called Turning Point. You remember, for four weeks we looked at what it means to turn towards the Scriptures because it's the very Word of God. To turn with a repentant heart. When God is seen as right and we are seen as less than right, we don't turn to ourselves, we turn to God. And, 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 and in the turning, right, we become followers of Jesus. And Jesus, remember, said, follow me. So we saw last week that disciples are at least three things. Disciples are with Jesus. We want to be with him. Disciples become, over time, like Jesus. And the end of being a disciple, the goal is to do what Jesus did. So we frame this series in that reality. Because Jesus said to follow him. Now we want to know how. Uh, we have a phrase uh, that we kind of guide our church with. We want to help people experience life in Jesus. How do we do that? Together, we learn to follow Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. Together, we learn to love one another. 
Jesus said, how will the world know that you're my disciples? Not by what you say, not by what you claim. It's by your love for one another, the world will know that you belong to me. Guess what? We have real differences. We need the Holy Spirit to learn to love one another. And we want to learn together to share the good news because Jesus is the one who rescues everyone who will call on his name. And how will they know his name unless we speak about him? And in a world where being, we're, we're being bombarded right now, bombarded like never before with, it is okay to believe anything, just avoid Jesus. We are being discriminated against. I don't know if you realize that. You can believe whatever you want about anything. Just don't say that Jesus alone rescues. And with that, what we need is the Holy Spirit to empower us in a spirit of love and humility to say, yeah, you may hate him, but he's quite amazing. You may hate him, but I found him to be true and right and good. You may hate him, but oh, actually, you may not actually know about him well enough to disregard him. So we want you to know more about him because he can hold up to his own claims. I don't need to convince you. Jesus is convincing. I don't know if you found that to be true. I don't need to convince anybody. Jesus is convincing, but people need to be presented with truth about him. And guess what? We need the Holy Spirit. So let's start with the words of Jesus. I'm a preacher. I know where to start, right? Start with the words of Jesus, and we're going to look at an overview today, and we'll dig into it next week. Jesus said this, John 14, verses 15 through 17. We're going to look at John 14, 15, 16 in days to come, but just a summary statement. If you love me, says Jesus, keep my commands. I'll just pause for a second. What are disciples? They're with him. What did Jesus say? Keep my commands. Become like him, right? And then verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world, those who don't follow Jesus, cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him and this phrase to his followers. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you, end quote. So how are we going to be with Jesus? How are we going to become like Jesus? How are we going to do what Jesus did according to Jesus? It is the spirit of truth. I want you to notice a couple of things that are quite obvious. Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, the Father will send someone, the Spirit, in my name. Father, Son, and Spirit. So it's going to become clear in the next few weeks and months that this discussion is not secondary or optional. It is essential that we grow in knowing God's gift called the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're doing it in our community groups. All right, so here's the big roadmap. Um, you have your community group study guide. Take it out if you would. And I want you to look at the back, and you're going to find a QR code, right? Here's what we're going to do. A couple of things just to set the tone. This is not a one-way discussion about the Holy Spirit. If you have questions that are very specific about anything we've talked about that week or up to that point, what we're inviting you, and this will be on every weekly discussion guide, we're inviting you. This will take you straight to a space for you to ask your specific question. Your big picture question, your detailed question. And what we're going to try to do is in our gathering, as those questions come in, we're going to answer those questions because wouldn't it be great to get what you need, not just what I think you need? Novel idea. And so we want to invite you 
to bring up these questions in your group first. Wrestle with them because the answer may come there. But maybe it doesn't, or maybe it's not full, or maybe you're not sure. So, so ask the question. Second thing that goes along with question asking, and hear this. Let's be patient with one another. Can we just agree? More communities have been divided over conversations about the Holy Spirit when, if you read the Bible, you realize that Jesus' people are to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. And by the way, peace comes from the Spirit. So it's quite ironic that Jesus' people have chosen to divide over the very one who's supposed to unify us. Especially around the first bit, it's going to be a review and a basic bedrock foundation from the Bible. Uh, next week will be about the Trinity. We're, you're you're going to completely have the Trinity answered next Sunday. That's a joke. <laughs> How do we fully understand God? But we're going to navigate Father, Son, Spirit. How do we understand them? What do they do? How do they interact with one another? This is one God shown to us and revealed to us in three persons. How do they interact and how are we to interact with the triune God? It will be a mind blow. It's going to be really good. But those the first few weeks are not going to be, um, there's not going to be a lot of like, oh, I didn't know that or I don't know if I agree with that. But as we move along, especially when we get to probably late winter, early spring, when we start talking about the spirituals and 1 Corinthians and Romans, where you see that the Holy Spirit makes his presence and his reality known in a variety of ways. When you talk about topics like prophecy or healing or speaking in tongues, those, uh, for many people, because there's various understandings, there can be division around that, but we're not going to do that because we're going to be united in talking about God together and honoring one another even if we don't agree with some of the details. Does that make sense? We're just going to choose to love one another. So here's a roadmap. All right, we're going to look at three dimensions of the Holy Spirit, above, within, and through. These are going to be major categories, and there'll be weeks for some months under each. We're going to look at the beginning of Genesis all the way through the Revelation, and we're going to trace the work of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to appear way more than you think. He's the forgotten God. Even though he's all over the pages of the Bible, we think about the Father, we think about the Son, and we're just confused by the Spirit. So we're going to look at above first. We're going to answer questions like, who is the Holy Spirit? What is he like? What does he do? What words are used in the Bible to describe and give us a mental picture and a mental map as to what God, the Holy Spirit, is like? What about his work in the world? And we'll hopefully get a healthy picture. This will be a review for many. This will be new for some. Uh, then we're going to move uh, after Christmas to the Holy Spirit within. How is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, at work in the church? How does he actually transform us? What specific things should we expect when we interact with the Spirit? What should we avoid? How, how can we grow in awareness and expectation? So we're going to start with a big picture overview. Then we're going to look clearly at the teachings of Jesus and the apostles to grab a hold of some truths that are there. Sometimes we just haven't seen them. Other times we've ignored them. And then finally, as we get to end of winter towards spring, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit through us. That is, how, what does the Spirit do through us for the good of the world? And so we're going to look at Acts and the letters to churches. And we're going to trace because God has shown us 
exactly what the Holy Spirit does in and through Jesus' people to impact not just the church, but the world at large. And hopefully we will, we will go into this next year more empowered and more ready, more expectant of God to be God in and around us. Hear me, in normal, everyday life. The Holy Spirit is not like put in a box and you take the box and you unleash him out of the box on Sunday morning and say, Holy Spirit, great, do your stuff during the Jesus time. No, God has designed us to interact with himself 24-7 at any place at any time. And we can have access to all God wants to do in us, within us, and through us for the good of other people. And we want to learn and grow in that. Okay, so that's a big picture roadmap. That's where we're headed. Uh, and I, I know this is going to be life-changing. I, I just know it because it's knowing the truth that really brings freedom. And, and this is going to be good. All right, one thought for today, just one, to get us started. I'll pick up on it next week. But this is where we need to begin. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. Write that down. Because how we think and visualize the Holy Spirit is going to set the trajectory for what we think about him and how we try to process life with him. And the Holy Spirit is not a, a force. I mean, it's October, right? And, and you say spirit and you think ghost. As a matter of fact, the older translations of the Bible have, if you have an older translation, is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which sounds, you know, very October sheet, woo, floaty. And, and to be fair, in the 1600s, when uh, that translation for the word came out, it was in older English. It was in more Shakespearean English. And ghost is the old English word for the German word, which is geist. And it simply means spirit. The modern translations just simply put the word spirit. So how we visualize God the Spirit is going to help us. And when we think about God, we need to think in terms of person. Now, spirit obviously qualifies not material in the same way that you and I are, but the spirit is nonetheless a person with a personality. He, he is not just some mystical force out in the universe that you can't grab hold of. So here's what I want to do. I just want to look at the words Holy Spirit and give you four things that frame out what does it mean that the Spirit of God is a person and not a force. Okay, let's start with the word holy. Uh, this may sound basic to you, but when I say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. We just need to like remind ourselves of the basics, right? Uh, Jesus is the name of the person. Christ is a descriptor or a title meaning he is the Jewish Messiah, the expected one who is going to rescue and save. So we say Jesus Christ. And in the same way, when you look at the Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit is often those two words. Sometimes it's just spirit. But the Holy Spirit, holy simply defines who he is. It's a descriptor. It's an adjective. And holy means perfect, set apart, divine. And so 250 times in the New Testament, when you see the word spirit, it's going to be Holy Spirit because we're told this person, God, the Spirit, 
He is equally God like the Father and the Son. We'll get into that next week. But he is holy. He is to be worshipped. He is to be adored. He is to be respected. He is close, but he is above. He is God himself. Uh, some of this is mind-blow stuff. I get it. But uh, we just need to remember that the Holy Spirit is holy. And let's look at the word spirit, and that's harder to get a handle on because I, when I think father, I get a mental picture of a person. When I think son, I get a mental picture of a person. When I think spirit, I just think ghost, like Halloween. And what is spirit in the scriptures? Okay, take a photo of the next slide or write this down. What is spirit in the scriptures? The main word in Hebrew is the word ruach. And in, in the first part of the Bible that we call the Old Testament, is mostly written in Hebrew, and this word ruach is used to describe the Holy Spirit. And this word simply means wind or breath or divine power, or you could say spirit. In Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 through 2, and take a photo of this slide if it helps. In the beginning, God, which the word here in Hebrew is Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. So the, be the beginning of God's revelation is God creating. Elohim creates the heavens, which are above, and the earth, which we're on right now. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, Rock Elohim, was hovering over the waters. So as the scriptures begin, it begins with God creating. And we're told that Rock Elohim, the Spirit of God, is hovering over the waters. What exactly is that? Um, it's a bit mysterious. But here's what we know. That the Spirit of God is active in creation. And if you read all of the Bible, what you're going to see is at times it describes the Father in creation. Sometimes it's going to describe Jesus as the center of creation. And here at the beginning, you see that the Spirit is at work in creation. The triune God, they are distinct and different. They are not the same, but they are one. Mind blow. Next week, we'll get back to that. But there's, there's the work of the Spirit in, in creation. And then we, when we move over to the New Testament, the major word that's used, interpreted as Spirit, is the word pneuma. Same concept as in Hebrew. It's translated as wind or breath or Spirit. So sometimes in the New Testament, it's simply talking about the wind was blowing over the waters and they were at sea and Jesus is in the boat. And it's the pneuma, it's the wind, pushing the waters along. But again, as I said, 250 times, that wind, that breath, is actually describing God, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible ends in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, with this beautiful invitation. The Spirit, pneuma, and the bride, speaking of the Son, say... Come, the end of the Bible is an invitation to life with God forever. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Not to read into it too much, but I think it's intriguing 
The beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the narrative of God revealed to us is the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, over creation, which has not yet been fully formed in the world, that's not yet been shaped as we see it today. And we know that that the end of the biblical story is the Spirit and the bride saying, come, drink the waters of life. Again, not to over interplay words, but I think it's intriguing that we see at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, the Spirit of God is at work. Okay, that's great, Jose. Thank you for the review. You're welcome. Uh, What does it mean, though, to see the Holy Spirit as a person and not just this hovering force or breath or wind over water? What does it mean for me to say, I want to know the Spirit more as a person. Four things, write them down. Number one, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has a will. When you think of a person, what makes a person a person? Well, part of it is this ability, because we're created in the image of God. doesn't mean we're God, but He made us like Him, which is amazing to think. that You and I seated here, you and I watching that we were formed, look at creation, Genesis 1 and 2, were formed not accidentally, not just piecemeal. God makes everything and says it's great. And then in his image, he makes women and he makes men like him. And, and part of what makes us us is this ability to discern and decide and choose pathways like nothing else in God's creation. We, uniquely human, because we are made in the image of God, we are able to choose direction in life and actually to choose to draw close to God in ways that all of creation is not able. So people make decisions. People have a will. 1 Corinthians 12, speaking about the Spirit, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. We're going to come back to this later in full. And then it keeps going, 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 going about other dimensions and manifestations of the Spirit. And then it says, all these are the work of one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as, and then I have it underlined, as He determines. So, so it is the Spirit who sees every one of us who are following Jesus. And collectively, when we're in His family called the church, God the Spirit knows exactly what's needed. And so God comes to us, and through each one in unique ways, He distributes His presence, His goodness, His words, His wisdom, His knowledge, and so much more And he does it according to his plan. Uh, Application is, I can trust that God the Holy Spirit knows how he wants to work best through my life. Which means jealousy or envy about how he's working in other people's lives makes no sense. Why? The Holy Spirit wills, determines, knows you. And he framed you. And he wired you. And he fills you in ways that are unique, blessing, encouragement, uplift, build up to the whole 
body. It's why following Jesus by yourself is not a work of the Spirit. Following Jesus, just you and Jesus. Now, of course I follow Jesus day by day. There is me and Jesus, of course. Time with him, growing in him, learning of him. But it's always in the context of the family. Why? It's because the Spirit is not just filling me, not just showing his goodness through me. He is showing himself. God is showing up in and through his people. And so I want to be around Jesus' people. Why? Because I'm uniquely going to experience God's goodness through you. Which is a wow. You say, Jose, well, I'm not a great, I'm not a great Jesus follower. That's not the point. God is going to make himself known in and through us all. And so we're needed. But what I want to do is hear and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Second thing is the Spirit guides. The Spirit, a people guide people, right? You don't know how to get somewhere? You ask your phone. Siri, guide me. But um, most of the time, how do I get there? I ask you and you you show me direction because you know. And in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Peter is sharing the good news with a person that no one at their time believes you should speak to because they're not Jewish. But Peter is given a revelation that he should go speak to a guy named Cornelius because God wants to visit him as well. And in Acts 11, he tells the church, right then three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea, they stopped at the house where I was staying. Notice what he says, verse 12. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them Uh, people share direction with people, people guide people, not just mysterious forces. So the Holy Spirit is the one who has a will and works his will in and through all of us and the one who guides. And so Peter could say with confidence, it was the Spirit who told me. Now how does the told me happen? How is God going to communicate his will, God's will, to my life. We'll get into that in the weeks to come, but we just want to know that he does it through himself, the Holy Spirit. Third thing, the Spirit is an advocate or, in more plain English, a helper. They kind of mean the same thing. And in John 14, which I read earlier, which we'll get into in depth in the weeks to come, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So people know, people teach, people remind. And so it's the person of the Holy Spirit who Jesus says, if you want to be with me, if you want to become like me, if you want to do what I'm doing, I'm telling you the how. And this is why it's so important that we don't live with the forgotten God, that we learn to know who the Spirit is so that his help will be ours. And when I want to learn things and be reminded of things that Jesus has taught, which is super helpful because this gives us the framework to know, well, how do I know if something's from the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that's against the way of Jesus. This is why study is important. This is why we have to throw away the false dichotomy that says, well, some people are feely-feely. I'm not a feely-feely person. 
I'm more of a thinker person. So if they want to deal with that spirit stuff, that's kooky, but that's okay with them. But I'm more of a rational, logical person, and that's a false dichotomy. Because we are to rationally think about the way of Jesus and discern when I hear something said or done that's done in the name of the Holy Spirit, I can immediately know and discern whether it's right or it's wrong. If it's out of line with scriptures and the way of Jesus, it is not from the Spirit of God. It could be from another spirit. It just could be from their brain. It could have been bad tacos for lunch, whatever the case may be. It's, I, can, I can hold on to it as good and true because the Spirit is there to help me actually know not just what Jesus said, but what it means in everyday life. Isn't this good? The Spirit is there trying to work in and through us. By the way, I'll give you the fourth one in a second. Some of you are like, well, gosh, is that ever going to happen? A lot of this is already happening. We're just going to put language to it. It's already happening right now. The Spirit is already working in your life. You wouldn't have shown up if it weren't for the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to even want to know Jesus more. You didn't come to follow Jesus until the Spirit started stirring you and prompting you. No one could say that Jesus is Lord except by the power and working of the Holy Spirit. So what we just want to do is we want to give language because the truth will what? It'll set us free. Set us free to live the life that God intended. And finally, the fourth one I want you to write down just for today, and we'll pick up on these in the weeks to come, is the Spirit is relational. People you and I, we're relational by nature. We're relational at a deep level because God created us in his image. Next week, Father, Son, and Spirit in a beautiful, perfect, honoring relationship, working together. One God demonstrated to us as three distinct persons working for the common good. And, and here's what we need to know, Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Because we have the Spirit, we're called to live in a way that doesn't grieve Him. Grieve could also be translated offend. It could be translated insult. It's possible that in the way we live, sometimes out of ignorance, sometimes out of blatant rebellion, either way, the, the Spirit is a person that is grieved. Now, don't overtake this language. But in English, we could use, you could break the Spirit's heart. Have you ever had your heart broken by the way someone treated you? Your heart broken by this person you loved, you cared for, said they were for you, with you, and then stabbed you in the back or left you, and it, it, it grieved you, it insulted you, it, it offended you, it hurt you. And we have to remember that this is language that God gives us about himself. It's possible to grieve the Spirit. Um, now, let's, with those things in mind, let's just stop for a second. Is this how we even view the Holy Spirit? Someone that you can grow to know. Someone whose relationship you can, over time, you can see how your relationship has grown with. Someone that you listen to and are leaning in on. Someone that you talk to. You say, Jose, I'm, I'm kind of confused here. I talk to the Father. Fantastic. Well, something like, I don't want to talk to the Father. That's mysterious. I talk to Jesus. Well, that's fantastic. Talk to Jesus. You can, you can talk to the Father. You can talk to the Son. But some of us, we just haven't got in our language yet, that you can talk to and communicate with the Holy Spirit because this is not some other 
thing, a force. Jesus said, I am sending you. And he said to his followers, you know him. When I go to the cross and rise again and ascend to the Father, he will be in you. And so I, I hope your appetite is wet a little bit to say, okay, well, I want more. Now, what we're not going to do is have lectures and keep it all about Sunday. Good thinking leads to good behavior. We want to think about the Spirit in ways of everyday, normal life. So I'll give you my interaction, and then we're going to respond in worship. I learned about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit through my mom and dad. When I first started following Jesus uh, as a young kid, six, seven years old, my parents had only been following Jesus for a few years. And so they were much older than me, but only a few years older than me, and actually learning the Bible. So as I was learning the Bible, they were learning the Bible, and they were taught well about how the Holy Spirit has come, and he's, he, he's working around us, but he's actually working in us, and we could depend on him. And so my parents just took that in normal ways. And so um, they wanted to help us learn. And so I have a knack for losing things a lot. I don't know if, how many are a loser of things? Uh, some of you? Okay, yeah, some of you just refuse to tell the truth, but I, I'm a loser of things. And so don't give me keys, don't give me a wallet, don't give me any of that. I lose things. And, but it started as a kid, okay? I haven't grown out of it. And I could never find the pair of socks that match. I couldn't find this, I couldn't find that. And so I could remember distinctly, hey, mom, because moms know everything, right? Moms know where everything is. And so, hey, mom, even though she was like the room next door, I didn't go next door. You just scream as a kid. Hey, mom, yeah. So she screams back, I can't find my socks, quote, unquote. Have you asked the Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, mom. As a child, before Helping me find it. Yes, she was helpful. And moms do know all things. And the socks were found. But my mom invited me to ask God first. Ask God first. And so it's ingrained in my brain. Before mom's going to help, she's going to ask me, have I asked not just God, not just the Father, but the Holy Spirit? Now, that may sound silly and cheesy to you, I'm just going to suggest this. It was highly formative to, for a 7, 8, 9, 10, 13-year-old to learn that God is above. Yes, he's the ruler. But God is with us, and Jesus' promise to lead and guide could be about the small things and about the medium-sized things and about the big things. And I learned as a young person that I could lean in and come to God with anything. And that was super helpful. And I hope in the same way that I learned as a kid that the Spirit is not just a mysterious force out there with Star Wars and Halloween and all the woo that's out there. No, this is God with us. So now, as an adult, it's become first response. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know in this moment? I go into lots of meetings with lots of people about lots of things. And this, the nature of this role that God has put me in could be tricky at times because you walk into a meeting from another meeting and suddenly I'm confronted with a very serious situation and I'm hearing a story and I don't know if the story being told to me is true or how true. 
And then I'm being told another half of the story, and I don't know if that's true or half true. And I'm being asked for wisdom about what to do. And what my friends who are in this room with me now will know is the whole while I am asking under my breath, Holy Spirit, what do I need to know? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit can help me discern in everyday moments, but everyday things, whether small things or large things, about what I need to know to be present in that situation. And then what do I share? The Spirit will lead us and guide us into the truth that is in Jesus. The Spirit will bring recall into Bible verses that are all together right and true that I need to know and put into practice. I, I don't have to wing it. As a matter of fact, as a Jesus person, I should never wing it. I should be relying on the presence of the Spirit and inviting the Spirit to move. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, direct me for someone else's good. Because a lot of what this conversation is going to be about is not just about your growth. Unfortunately, most of the time, you're like, Jose, great, what's in it for me? Which I hope you realize, as mature Jesus people, is a loaded question and not the most important. The most important question is, God, I want to live for you. What do you want to do, both in and through me, that's going to give praise to Jesus and be good for the world that you love? And so we want to grow in our everyday awareness of the Spirit because the Spirit is not just working in a few people. The Spirit is working in every single person who calls on the name of Jesus and follows him. All right, in light of that, two, I think, extremes as a church we could fall into, and I'm praying and I'm trusting you because we're going to talk about this in our groups that we will not fall prey to. There are pitfalls on either side. The first pitfall is to fear everything. Let's be honest. Some of you have heard about what the Spirit does in the world, and you're like, no thank you. Because I, I don't want to get into whatever that stuff is. And I would just suggest to you that that fear could keep you from the very good thing that God is trying to do in you. So that's an extreme to say, no, no thank you. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures, amen, and leave it at that. I don't want the Spirit's movement. Uh, and we're not going to do that as a church. But the second extreme is equally harmful is just to trust anything. Is to simply say, well, it was done in the name of the Spirit. Well, that was right and good when we're called to test and discern and honor the Spirit by seeing if what's being said and done. So we're not going to go into the extreme of avoiding. We're not going to go into the extreme and practice of saying anything goes and if it's weird, it must be the sign of the Spirit moving. No, it could just be weird. But I would suggest that when the Spirit actually comes upon God's people, as you see in Acts chapter 2, they're baffled by it. And when they're gathered together praying earnestly, the Spirit comes on them in ways that they weren't expecting. And it says the place was shaken. Uh, words like they were in awe. So certainly there's something about God being God in and among us that is above the norm. So 
We're not going to jump into extremes, but we're also not going to be closed to, to what God might want to do. So here's the question that you're, it's the final question, but I want every one of us to think about it this week on your little sheet. How do we normalize an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit in everyday life? This is what we want to talk about this week. And we want to hear from one another about what's been the activity or lack thereof and and how can we make this norm uh, without going extreme? We're going to learn to talk to one another about our fears, our reservations, or about our experiences, which have been beautiful and God-honoring, but maybe we haven't had the forum to talk about it. Uh, we're going to do that together. We're going to pick it up next week on looking at God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have been amazing and your nonverbal language on this conversation about the Spirit, because I know we all want more of God in our world, don't we? We want more of God in us. So Lord, now we want to pause for a moment and just say thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for revealing yourself as Father. Thank you for revealing yourself as Son. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for living the perfect life. Thank you for your work on our behalf on the cross where you paid our sin debt in full and by the power of the Spirit have been raised to life and you ascended and we're waiting for your return and now you sent us the Spirit, Lord. We thank you for coming and showing yourself so that we can walk with you and live with you and grow in our relationship with you and love the world that you love. So Lord, help us as we begin this conversation to love you more, love one another more deeply, and be more confident to share your goodness to the ends of the world. God, thank you that you're going to grow us as your children so we can be useful on your mission wherever you send us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet?